I'd ask that you just stay in this posture of worship. My friend's going to stay back here on the keyboard with me this morning because I want, I want to deliver a message that's a little different and even the format of, of how we deliver it is going to be a little different today. But before I jump in, I just want to say welcome to church. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to be up. I'm going to be up at the cafe after, afterwards with some of my friends drinking coffee. And so if I haven't met you, or maybe you've never come up to the cafe, I realize there's a lot of people that leave. They go out this door and they run to the parking lot. Like, they, I got to get to the buffet before the Baptists get there. Like, I, I want to ask you would, you, would you slow down this week and, and just come upstairs? There's a beautiful cafe. We've got a great team of people that have coffee and tea and there's hot chocolate for the kids. Go get your kids and come hang out in the cafe for a few minutes. For the last year, as we've been in transition as a church, I've been asking the Lord, like, Lord, what do I need to shift as, as the pastor? Well, what, what are the things that I need to shift as the leader of this organization? And wh- where do we want to go? Where do you need us to go this year? And one of the things that he challenged me in last year was in the format of how we preach and teach here at International Family Church. Um, one of the things that we do very well, I believe, is we have a great teaching team. We have a great creative team. Uh, we like to plan out ahead. And so we like to teach in service or a series format. And what's a series format? Is usually we take a topic or a, a thought or a scripture or, or a doctrine, and we'll preach for three or four weeks, five weeks, sometimes six weeks on the same topic so that we can hit all aspects of it. And so we're not tying it into just 30 minutes one time. And I believe that's good. You know, I really believe that. And, and I'll say this in the message a little bit later, but we got to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Not all of us are as theologically deep as others. Some of us are brand new to faith. And so I want to make sure that we teach in a format where everybody can understand. And sometimes you can't grasp a whole concept or a principle from God's word just in one 30-minute presentation, talk, sermon, whatever you want to call it. And the Lord said, I want you to continue to teach in service format, but I just don't want you to put the the, the series back to back to back to back to back to back to back. He said, because Joshua, there's going to be some things that I speak to you about in your prayer time, in your quiet time, that ain't going to fit in the series format. I believe it's important to make room for the Holy Spirit. I like planning. I'm a planner. I'm a futuristic thinker. I love strategy. But here's one of the things that I've learned about God is you can't strategize him out. Which means I believe in a strategy, but I also believe in flexibility within a plan. What does that mean? We're going to have a a week or or two or three or four. We're going to teach a series. And then I may just come and preach something that's not in the series. It's a one-off. It's just something that God's been dealing with me about. And I feel like it's big enough a deal for me that I'll I'll just let you in on it. And so today, that's where I'm going. I, I want to just share some things that the Lord has been speaking to me about. First, as a son. First as a son, I'm a son first before I'm your pastor. As a saint, before I'm your pastor. And over the last couple of weeks, the Lord's been really dealing with me about a a text that we're going to read in a moment, but it's an adjustment for me that he's asking me to make. And as I prayed about it and, and processed it in prayer and just taking time, I began to share some of this with the staff. And it was funny because I was gone on a Tuesday when we have our staff meeting and Laura Lang was sharing the same thing with the staff. 
And Stephanie came home and she's like, Laura's teaching the staff that stuff you've been sharing with me. And I'm like, well, she just somebody sent her my notes. How does she get my journals? How does she get my phone? What's up? And I realized the Lord's trying to say, you ain't the only communicator, dummy. If you're not going to share it, I'll get two or three others to share it. And so last weekend at our Dream Team conference, uh, I shared this with our production team and I shared uh, bits and pieces of it with our worship team. But if you allow me to, I'd like to share it with you this morning. If you've got an iPad or a phone, you can pull it up. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5. If you're old school like me, you got some paper, mark it down. And for those of you that, that don't have either, you're okay. We got you covered. I'm going to put it on the screens for you, okay? Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it said, Afterwards, Jesus went out and looked for a man named Simon, or I'm named Matthew. Jesus went out and looked for a man named Matthew. And he found him sitting at a tax booth, for he was a tax collector. And Jesus said to him, be my disciple and follow me. In that very moment, Matthew got up. He left everything behind and he followed Jesus. Matthew was so excited, he wanted to throw a banquet to honor Jesus. So he invited him to his home for dinner. And along with many other tax collectors, and other notable sinners. I love that right there because it says that he, was, he wasn't just hanging out with tax collectors. Everybody knew they were corrupt, but he was actually hanging out with some other sinners. I love this, some notable sinners. Like it's one thing to be like known as a bad dude. It's a whole other thing to be like, that dude's a notable sinner. That's who Jesus was after. And while they were sitting together at the table, the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law, they complained to the disciples. They began to mumble and complain to them, saying, why would you defile yourselves by eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Doesn't Jesus know that it's wrong to do that? Jesus overheard them complaining and said, hey, hey, who goes to the doctor for a cure, those who are well or those who are sick. I would have loved to seen that situation right there. He said, for I've not come to call the righteous, you religious leaders, you experts, but I've come to call those who fail to measure up and to bring them to a place of repentance. The critics then questioned Jesus saying, oh, well, John the prophet, he's known for leading his disciples to frequent times of prayer and fasting. And as religious leaders of the land, we do the same. So why do you and your disciples spend more of your time feasting at banquets? Jesus replied, well, should you make the sons of the bridal chamber fast while they're celebrating with the bridegroom? But when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then you will see my disciples fasting. Listen to verse 36. And then he gave them an illustration. This is what I love about Jesus. Always breaks it down again for the little guy. Puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. If you couldn't hear anything that he was saying, this is what he was trying to say. No one rips up a new garment to make patches for an old worn out one. If you tear up the new garment to, to make a patch for the old one, it will not match the old garment. And who pours new wine into an old wineskin? For if someone did, the old wineskin would burst and the new wine would be lost. Everybody say lost. 
See, new wine must always be poured into new wine skins. Yet you religious leaders, you experts of the law, you always say the old ways are better, but you refuse to even taste the new wine that I have brought. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is the foundation for our lives. Today we, we, we learn and we ask you to help us grow by your spirit that we could be well established to be doers of your word. The Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me as you've been sharing with me over the last few weeks about my walk with you, my relationship with you and, and what you've asked of me as your son and as the pastor of this church. I ask you to speak to the hearts of your people today. Show them the areas of adjustment. Show them the areas that could be adjusted to contain what you want to bring in this new season for us as saints first, parents and leaders, and the church family second. Give me boldness to declare your word as you placed it in my heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said. In this parable, he's telling the disciples and the Pharisees about who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. They started questioning him about the fasting and the feasting, and he brings it around to, hey, it's not so much about what we're doing, it's about why we're doing it. But you're hanging out with sinners, tax collectors, notable sinners. He said, you betcha. That's the kind of vessel I'm looking for. Someone that's hungry and thirsty and pliable, not you guys who are stuck in a system and are trying to call me out in front of everybody else. He's saying, to do what I have come to do, it's going to require a new kind of vessel. For some of you that are new to church or new to faith, in this time, they would have put wine, they would have brewed it or however you make wine, and they would have put it in a, in a wine skin, and it was simply, it was a bag that was made from the skin of an animal, maybe like as a goat or such. It was used to hold wine. Interpreters of the Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible would state that this new skin, this new wine skin that he was talking about, it was talking about a new body for a group of believers as we die to our old self. And then we see the spirit, the new wine represents and symbolizes the spirit of God poured out upon his people, his church. Jesus is answering the question about what kind of teacher he is, what kind of teaching he's going to bring, what kind of disciples he's making, and ultimately why he's doing things the way he's doing them. He's challenging them to think differently. He's telling them new is necessary. If I had a title for a message, originally it was going to be just wineskins, but that's plain. Today the title is new is necessary. I'll be honest with you, I like old stuff. I share about it all the time. I, I love telling you about who I am because I want you to get to know me. I love antiques, anything old. If it's got rust, I want it. We were, with a, we were somewhere recently and there was, a, there was a hot rod pickup truck and my son said, this, Daddy, look at the truck, you're gonna love it. And then he said, well, you probably won't love it that much. It doesn't have any rust on it. I said, I like them crusty. My wife complains too because I like to keep clothes. I have a stack of jeans about this high in the upper part of our closet. They're just old jeans that I've had and I'm keeping. 
end of conversation. And she's saying, if you would get rid of those jeans, we'd have more room in the closet. I said, you got your space. I got my space. We share a closet. And I want to keep the old jeans. Because they're comfortable. Because I have memories in those jeans. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm one of those guys, like, I love denim. I thought I'd wear my denim jacket today. I love denim. I love old boots. I love leather. I love stuff that shows patina over time. You know, Japanese people don't restore antiques on purpose. They want to show the wear and the age, and it brings back the memories of those items. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys that, like, I, I, want, I, want, I want old stuff, but I want new stuff at the same time. And I was telling the first service, I had this favorite shirt. My friend Joe Morris gave me this shirt, like, 20 years ago. It's a denim shirt. It's got the cowboy pockets on. I like it. It's got the cool cowboy cross in the back. And I wore it all the time, and I love wearing it when I ride my motorcycles. But last year I was riding with Mo and I went to grab the handlebars on my bike and both of the elbows blew out. Like they just, they were so worn thin and had been washed so many times. Like the elbows just, psh, psh, and I was like, air conditioning, this is awesome. Straight down to my armpits right where I need it. Let's go. Like you're so awesome, God. And I came home and my wife's like, so you're going to throw that shirt away finally. And I was like, throw the shirt away. Are you crazy? I said, remember all those old jeans up in the closet? I went up there and took a pair out, went out in my workshop, cut some jeans, and I, I was patching those jeans, that shirt up. So yeah, it's blown out, and there's string hanging, but man, there's a brand new denim there. Got on the bike, I'm like, good as new. But just like the scripture said, it was only a couple of weeks of me and Mo riding. And I'm driving down the road, and that patch came off. The, 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 the denim on the old shirt was too loose, it couldn't contain it. That's what he's saying right here. You can't patch with an old garment when I'm trying to give you an understanding that a new garment is required, that a new heart, that a new mindset, a new being is required. Don't hold on to the things of the past to try and fix the new. The past was for the past, and it's great. We stand on the shoulders of past things that have grown and flourished, but we got to be moving forward forward in our faith with him because what he wants to do is pour out some new things on you and me and our old ways will not be able to contain the fresh outpouring. One thing that I have to be careful about, I shared with you about my jeans. It's the same thing with my boots. I wore some new boots today. And, and I've had these boots for, for a year. The staff bought me these boots when the transition, because they, they know I like red wing boots, and they were a blessing to me. And, and the problem with new boots is the red wing boots take forever to break in. So even though I've got new boots in the closet, me and my wife will go on a date night, and I'm wearing the boots that Pastor Jonathan bought me for my 40th birthday seven years ago. Now, they're broken. They're the best. I mean, they fit like butter. You, know, you have that pair of shoes that you slide on, and you're like, ooh. Or those pair of pants. You got something, maybe some tinnitus. You just slide on, ooh, I feel like me today. But here's what happens is I like to wear the old ones. We're going to go to a nice dinner. I put on those old boots, and she's like, what are you doing with those old boots on? You're not working on your truck today. You're not chopping wood. We're going to a nice dinner. I'm like, I know, but they're comfortable. And she said, baby, you look all nice, but those boots don't fit. Go put on the new boots. And I'm like, I know, but the new boots are stiff. They're not broken in. Here's what I do. I tend to, and maybe you would relate, I tend to lean toward what makes me comfortable. 
Here's one thing I have to be careful in my life, for it's easier for me to fall back to what is familiar and comfortable and justify that rather than launch into a new life guided and led by the Spirit of God. That's just my natural tendency. I like comfort. We got new sheets on the bed. I threw a fit the other night. (laughs) Hate these sheets. She's like, they're brand new. I said, did you starch them and iron them? Because it feels like we're in a sandpaper bed. We were at a hotel in Florida this last week. I slipped into the bed, this beautiful hotel, and I was like, oh, snap, no. She said, what's wrong? I said, the sheets, feel them. They feel like they're brand new. She's like, well, isn't that what you wanted? A hotel is new sheets. And I'm like, I guess so for sanitary reasons, but I like the sheets that we've had for like 20 years. And yeah, they have a few holes in them, so you gotta be careful. But you get in bed with those fresh, clean, old sheets, you're like, I'm gonna sleep like a baby tonight. That's okay with some natural things. But what about when it comes to spiritual things? When I moved here in 2016, my wife and I felt called to be here. We were living in Alabama at the time, and we had just spent a a great time, a a great season on the West Coast, but it was time to come home. We had a new baby. I wanted my dad and my family and her family to meet our son. At the same time, I had written a book, and so we were traveling and speaking. We thought Mobile, Alabama is the place we should travel out of. It's neutral. We can catch flights out of there and drive, and, and, and it was just going to be a comfortable year, but we kept coming up to IFC. I got invited to speak a few times, and some of our friends were here, so I came up, and every time I was here, I was like, I like these people. I'd sit right here next to our pastors. I, oh, there's Pastor Earl. I've known him a long time. Oh, my friend Mo, we like to play golf. Here's so-and-so, my friend Chris, and, and I, I go to, I like it here. And over the course of that year, the Lord was like, well, just, just get there. If that's where you want to be, you want to hang out with these guys and, and be there. I said, I want to raise my kids here. I love this worship. I love the nations. I love that we're goers and cinders in this church. Like everything about IFC was like, ding, 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 ding. The, the perfect church that I've been looking for, except they weren't offering me a job. <laughs> and if you're a pastor, you really don't go to a church. You're not going to get to preach. And the Lord said, so you're only going if they ask you? And I said, no, 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 I'll go by faith. And we moved here, and long story short, we, our first assignment was to, to oversee YMG, which is our young adults. Hannah was a part of that early group, and many more that I look around today. And, and, and I, I came in with like, I know how to do young adults. Let's go. And someone said, what, what, is, what do you mean you know how? I was like, well, I, I've done this for, for 20 years. I, I did this in California, and it, and it grew and thrived. I did this in Oklahoma. I did this in Louisiana. I've, I've been a part of it in Texas. Like, I know how to make a young adult ministry thrive. Except when I got here, the Lord said, hey, uh, uh, we're not going to do it that way. I said, What? He said, that, that plan that you have, that, that you've worked over the last 10 years, and, and it worked for those churches and those leaders and those pastors and those young people, he said, hey, I don't, I don't want you to do that here at IFC. They need something fresh. They need something new. I said, but we've got a proven track record. This works. I, I know how to bring a crowd together. I know how to engage the young adults. I, I know how to. He said, I didn't ask you what you know how to do. Why aren't you asking me what I want you to do? I'm going to tell you this, it was humbling because I was good at what I did on paper. But he said, what if I'm not looking for those same kind of metrics? 
What if I'm not measuring what I want to do in this season against the last season? What if we're not looking at attendance and engagement and all the things that you looked at over the past to provide the environment for those young us? What if it was something deeper than that? And so I just came with the young adults and I said, hey, I'm just going to meet back here. It used to be IFC youth at that time, but now it's the block students, the room back here in the corner where some of your teenagers are. And I just said, hey, we're going to gather. We're going to have some vision nights. And someone said, you're going to pitch vision for young adults? I said, no, we're going to ask for vision for the young adults. Because I was going to pitch vision, but he told me that ain't the vision for today. That was yesterday's vision. That was yesterday's anointing. Yesterday's grace. Yesterday's systems. Yesterday's structures. And just because it worked yesterday does not mean it will work today. And so I gathered the young adults. I said, would you come join me? And in January... We had a worship team. We just prayed and we worshiped and I shared things in my heart and they would come up afterwards and say, well, what, what are we going to do next? What's the plan? I said, ah, uh, how about next month we just do the same thing? We come and surrender and ask the Lord what he wants to do and we'll worship and we'll pray and I'll share a little bit on my heart and then we'll go. We did that for 90 days. We did that three months in a row and in April we launched our young adult ministry and over 200 young adults showed up. And here, wait, wait, hold on. And they said, so what are we doing? And I said, I have no clue. But I know this, if we'll pray and we'll seek and we'll worship, he'll show up, he'll come. If we're open and we'll change the vessel, if we'll allow him to, to, to do something new in us, he'll pour out something new. And, and I'll be honest with you, man, we, we've had such a great time with young adults at this church. And we will continue to. Right now we're praying about what's the next season. I'll just stay here for a minute. Young adults, don't leave right now. They don't have anything for us at the church. We're just praying right now. We just, we just don't want to just do something just to do it because when you show up, it's just going to feel like something structured that we came up with. And I refuse to do that for church. Man's plans always fail. Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And so right now, just so you know as a church, we're praying about what do we do in this next season for young adults because I don't want to just repeat last season because it worked. When was the last time you asked the Lord? Lord, is there something new you want from me? Is there something new you want to do for me? And is there something new you want to do in me? Because if you do, I can adjust the vessel. I can adjust the vessel. After studying this scripture for the last couple of weeks in my heart, I, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up, we were, ta- we were taught to meditate on the word. Everybody say meditate. meditate. Now, I, again, I understand a lot of you are new to faith. Meditation to us in this circle is not this in some kind of setting. It's just not. It's not who we are. When we meditate, it's more like this or even like this. And sometimes it looks like this where I just sit with my Bible and I'm reading and then I just take time and I let that word go over and over and over and over in me. And then I, I pray and say, Lord, are you trying to say something to me? Seems like there's something on this scripture right here. I can't get away, but I'm, I've been reading this scripture for weeks now out of different translations. What is it? What is it? What is it? What am I? I'm just meditating on it. And, and, as, and as I meditate on things, what am I doing? I'm repeating them. Hear me say this. Meditation for us is just repeating over and over. We're just wringing that thing dry. They, they say a cow has seven stomachs. You know this? How many of you did not know that a cow has seven stomachs? We're not going to shame you, but go ahead. Just raise your hand. 
I'm from the country, y'all from the city. A cow has seven stomachs, and he chews that grass, and he chews up, and he swallows it, and it goes down that first stomach. And then don't be disgusted, but he throws it up inside, but he still catches it in his mouth, and he chews on it again. And then it goes down, and he re- redigests I think it's seven, maybe it's 16, I don't know. He redigests it over and over. What is he doing? His body is designed to get every nutrient, every ounce out of that blade of grass. So that me and you can cut him open later and have a great T-bone steak. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, all the vegans just got mad. Hold on. All the vegans, you're the ones eating the grass. We're just eating the cows that ate the grass. We're just skipping a step. We just bypass that step. I'm sorry, I'm hungry. I don't even know where I'm at. This is none of this in my notes. Meditation of the scripture. We're just processing it, rolling it over, just rolling it over. And so here's what I feel like the Lord has been saying to me. Again, I, I want you to hear me. This is for me. But I'm extending it to you. This is for me 